I want to go to the scripture this morning, Acts chapter 5, and uh, you could play a little bit, I need a little background music after that song, huh? I really feel like this message today is key for the church this morning, and, uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 27, you can follow along on the screen, it says, then they brought the disciples in before the council. Didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man's name? Uh, just to set the scene, Jesus has died. He's risen again. He's ascended into heaven. And now it's the aftermath of his ministry on earth. And his disciples are picking up the mantle and carrying it on. And they immediately begin to face some persecution. And they're trying to shut them down. And really, they're trying to make Jesus go away. That's usually what... Religion does, it tries to make Jesus go away, and man looked like the hero. But we all know Jesus is the hero, right? And so he said, did we tell you never again to teach in this man's name? The high priest demanded. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about Jesus. I like that. But Peter replied, we must obey God rather than human authority. At this, the high council was furious Watch this, and decided to kill them. And you thought you had problems. But one member had a different perspective. He addressed his colleagues as follows. He said, men of Israel, take care of what you are planning to do with these men. Some time ago, there was that fellow Theudas who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him, but he was killed And his followers went their various ways. Watch this. The whole movement came to nothing. So my advice is leave these men alone. If they are teaching and doing these things merely on their own, it'll soon be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to stop them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. I just feel like bowing up after I read scripture verses like that. It's just so empowering to read something because you and I know that we're a part of something that God is doing. And even though we may face some things in our lives personally, even though we may face some things in our world, you can't stop what God is doing. Listen, there is no person that can stop what God is doing in your life. There is nothing on the outside that can say, no way. If God wants it to happen and he is working in your life, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Amen. You have to know that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is strong. I just wonder if we started living like that, how much our lives would truly change. To go from a position where we feel like everything's against us, what are we going to do? To a position of, wait a minute. He's already guaranteed the victory. Why don't I just go ahead and walk in championship status instead of thinking and living like a chump? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for our time together. I just pray that as we share this word today, that it's not just encouraging and it's not just inspiring. But, Father, it awakens us to you. It helps us see the possibilities of what you can do in our lives when we surrender all. When we follow your voice 
instead of our own tendencies. So Lord, this morning we open our hearts and our ears and our minds to you. We ask that you will speak to us. Say that right now. Say, Lord, speak to me. We ask you to speak to us today, Lord, like only you can. Lord, use me just to be a vessel. Use me, Father, just to be your mouthpiece today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. That just feels powerful in here today. This message today literally could be an anniversary message for our church. And I know today's not really an anniversary for us. It just, it's another day in September, the 22nd. My team won. Your team won. The other person's team won. I was talking about the Gators right there, by the way. And everybody's feeling pretty good about themselves right now. But I believe that God is up to something in our church. And I believe that God is up to something in your lives today. And over the last seven years as a church, God has done so much here. I can remember the early days meeting in a living room in a small house in Killorn Lakes and growing out of a living room into a conference room and growing out of a conference room into a school setting and then having another facility and then going back to the school setting. I remember those moments very vividly and to think that God was working all along the way. Even yesterday, it, it was just a little nostalgic to know that this was something that God had planted in Cynthia's heart years ago. In 2007, God dropped something like that conference in her heart. And yesterday, to see it come into pass and seeing the fruit of it and how it was affecting people's lives, it really is a reality check. It's the reality of what God can do when you really trust his voice and you follow him. Because when you move to a new city and you don't know a soul there and all you got is a word from God and you just keep stepping in faith, you wind up with a conference and you wind up with something like this today with a kick and worship team that just blew it up today. Am I right? I mean, you just, we didn't know that was going to happen. We didn't know. We were just like, God, what do you want to do? Let's try it. Let's go for it. Let's see what happens. And then you look at things around here like a, a, our kids' ministry, which is just kicking, man. I mean, just rolling. Kids all over the place. Everywhere you look back there, it's kids. I mean, it's just I, I, whatever y'all are doing, it's working, but it's kids everywhere. And then you look at all of our different e-groups and you hear the stories of people connecting and relationships forming and new people stepping up to lead those e-groups. And then you look at our dream team that makes church happen every single week and all the different little avenues of serving all the way down to the smallest of details that most of you have never, ever thought of with church. They were already taking care of it before you even woke up this morning. They were just handling business. And, and you think about our sisterhood, you think about Surge with our students, how it's grown. You think about our mission in the Dominican Republic. Just in a few weeks, we got a team that's heading down there just to go do some ministry, minister to the people that are on the grounds each and every day, just touching the lives of kids and families over there. I, it just blows my mind to see that it started with just, yes, God, let's go for it. It started with not knowing anybody and then just as you go around town meeting new people and inviting them and sitting down and having lunch and telling the story or being at the ballpark and they ask, so you know what kind of work you do? And they you tell them you're a pastor and you're like, wow, really? What church? And you tell them what church? They're like, I never heard of it. And they're like, because we didn't start it yet. And they're like, that's interesting. <laughs> Some of you guys, you know uh, Leah Paskey and uh, 
she's, she's a trip. We met her at the ballpark, and I remember uh, her, her son was playing baseball with my son Judah, and uh, I remember being out there just hanging out and just, you know, just trying to help the little team and talking to Leah, and, you know, church always comes up. And we were just talking back and forth, so I invited her to the Easter service. And we had just started the church, so I invited her to the Easter service. I didn't tell her I was the pastor. So she shows up at that, that service that Sunday, and after church, she's like, you're the pastor. Why didn't you tell me this? Like, she was all freaking out. Like, you should have told me. I'm like, would it have made a difference? I mean, it's just, but just you, you think about those stories. Let me get a sip of water. You think about those stories, and it's like, it's incredible how God works. I think about every baptism that we've had here at Emerge and how significant it is to see people go public with their faith and, and to see how we celebrate it. I, I've never seen baptism celebrated like this in my life. I'll be honest. I mean, we had baptisms in our home church, but it was, you know, some courtesy applause. And I, I mean, I, nothing bad, but now it's like, y'all are crazy. I don't know if it's the sugar or what from the snowballs or the ice cream, but y'all are crazy. And it's awesome. And it makes people like really understand the importance of taking the next steps and how much it's celebrated. But those kinds of things just it's so exciting to to have those realities and not just ideas of what you want in the church and to see the people's lives that have been affected, the, the families that have been healed and restored and people's lives redeemed and, and, and things broken off of their lives. And to know the countless prayers that God has answered over and over again in all the lives that, that, that have been changed and, and to have moments in the presence of God this morning worshiping, I, all I can say is, God, thank you. Because I don't know if I was capable of that stuff. I, I just knew you said to go do this. And we step out in faith. And as we step out in faith, God equips you. God surrounds you with good people. He resources you with people who believe in what he wants to do. And next thing you know, you got a group of people that are gathering to, together. And not only gathering together just to make church happen, but also affecting the lives of people in a community. In fact, affecting the lives of people in another country. Because that's what God wants to do. Amen? And I need you to see that you're such a part of this incredible story, not just the story of Emerge Church, but the story of the church, the church that God is building, that he sent his son to give his life for, that you are such an integral part to it, not only as an, as an attender to a church, not only as someone that needed to be saved by God's grace, but also as a person that has, has been willing to invest in, has been willing to serve in, has been willing to give to, has been willing to put your hand to the plow and not look back because you believed in what God wanted to do here and because of that more people are going to heaven now more people are going to heaven and I believe that's worthy of praise amen this is what heaven's all about this is what God wants us to do and all of these memories they're incredible they're incredible but at the same time these are memories from the past these are memories that we have and we're never going to forget them but we can't live in them we can't live in them. We, 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 we have to understand that this is what God has done, but God isn't finished what he wants to do. God may have done something in one season of your life, but that doesn't mean that he's finished because you're okay now. Because God doesn't want you just to be okay. He wants you to be better. He wants you to be great. He wants, to he wants you to live this abundant life so much so that it's not just enough, but it's full to overflowing. Amen? 
that's the kind of life that God has intended for us. And so when I, when I think about this, I think about our church, and there's a quote that, that I heard years ago, and it just challenged me. It says, if you have more memory than dreams, your days are numbered. If you have more memories than you do dreams, your days are numbered, and, and, and it just inspires us constantly to dream and to look forward and to consider what God has done. And if this was our beginning, if this was what God started with, God, what are you about to do in this next stage, in this next season of our church? If that was the beginning, imagine what we're about to step into. Amen. Just imagine if that's if that's what God wanted to do to start this thing. Imagine what he's going to do to take it to the next level. And so if it's okay, can we dream a little bit this morning? If it's okay, can we, can we step back from all the pressures of everything that's going on in our lives? Can we step back from all the responsibility and, 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 and just the grind of all the everyday life and just dream for a second and dream about church a little bit? Because when I think about church and what it can be and what we, what we really, really believe in for, I think about miracles happening in people's lives. I think about sicknesses being healed. I'm thinking about marriages and families being restored. I'm thinking about the unthinkable that everybody says, well, there is no way that it's possible. I'm thinking about those things taking place and then being questioned about it. And the only response that we have is it must be God because we don't know how it happened. Isn't that awesome? Like, that's the kind of things that I dream about. I think about weekly souls being saved. Not just a hand being raised, but a life being changed. Amen? And listen, to be more specific, I'm not talking about people we don't know. I'm talking about people that you do know. I'm talking about that coworker that is in a crisis right now, and you're trying everything you can to be a support and encouragement to them. But deep down inside, you know the only way their life is going to change is if they surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. Those are the salvations that I see. Those are the people that I believe whose lives God really, really wants to change. Amen? I see strong families. I see courageous men. Come on, men of courage. I see beautiful women, not just with their appearance, but with their heart, with their souls. You know what I'm saying? With some strength and some honor and some dignity. I see some happy children, not because they got a toy and not because they've got an electronic, because things are in order in their lives. Amen. This is what I see for the church. And this is some dreaming that I believe that we should have for our families and for our men, our women and our kids. I have a dream. Come on. We have a dream to see this place packed out with our families, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our coworkers. Amen. How many of you, you know someone right now, they should be sitting with you right now. Like right now, and whoever is their name that comes to your mind, I want you to dedicate yourself this week to pray for them every day. And before next Sunday, you pray for them every day. Before next Sunday, call them and say, hey, I want you to come sit with me at church next Sunday. Notice how I said that. I want you to come sit with me at church next Sunday, and afterwards we'll go eat. But I really, really would love for you to be with me in church. It's one thing to invite them as an optional thing, but invite them. I want you to come sit with me. Say it like that. I want you to come sit with me at church next Sunday and afterwards we'll go to lunch. I believe this is something that can change your life. I have a dream. See this place packed out, not just because we want a big church, but because we want a lot of people to go to heaven. Because we got a lot of people whose lives need to be changed. And these are your people, and they need to become God's people. Amen? Amen. 
to build a strong leadership team, to raise up pastors, evangelists, missionaries, teachers, worship leaders that are going to reach the world. This is the dream. It's not just to pull off church on a Sunday, y'all. But it's to be a church that is alive and growing and not just making it happen, but multiplying it. Amen. Multiplying it. I'm telling you, some of you, you got some capacity for ministry in you. You're just scared. Look at your neighbor and say, is that you? (laughs) This side, I ain't participating in that. (laughs) Got to dream to serve our community. Continue to dream. Listen, our, our dream is not to solve all their problems. That, we got to make sure we're dreaming the right way. Our dream is to solve all their problems. Our dream is to help them to see the problem solver. Amen. Amen? So our acts of service are full of purpose because we are not the solution. He is. And we're just, del- we're just delivering the message, man. We're delivering the goods. Amen? So when we serve, we deliver the goods so that they can see the problem solver because their lives have to be Change And so I think about our community. I think about our mission down in Dominican Republic and all that God wants to do there. There's a care point now, but our dream is to have a church there. Amen. Not just to feed children, but to touch people's lives, not just to give them physical food, but to give them spiritual food as well. This is what we as the church are able to do when we come together. And listen, this isn't just one person's credit. This is for this is ours. Amen? Amen. This is ours. Look at your neighbor and say it's ours. It's ours. It's ours. Did I say it really southern like? It's ours. That sounds a little northern. It's ours. Ours. Sound like a pirate. Arg. The dream to reach people all over our community. All over the community and the surrounding areas. Tallahassee, Woodville, the Lake Jackson. Come on, you Lake Jackson people in the house. Nobody. Okay, we got work to do. Crawfordville, <laughs> Monticello. Yes, Crawfordville in the house. Somebody got fired up. There's, yeah. <laughs> Tony, okay. <laughs> Monticello, Havana, Thomasville. Come on. Have impact. Not just in an area, just in an area. Specific to a little region in the capital city. But to go beyond the borders. That's the dream. Over the years, this is what I've learned about church. Church is more than a meeting. Church is a movement. So when we invite you to come be a part of what God's doing here at Emerge, we're not just inviting you to be a part of our Sunday congregation. We're inviting you to be a part of a movement that has not stopped. We read earlier about Theudas at 400 followers. They took him out and the whole thing fell apart and it was nothing. But they killed a man named Jesus who said, I will build my church. And they thought they silenced him. They thought it was done. They didn't have to worry about it anymore. But he was so powerful. Watch this. So strategic. That three days after his death, he rose from the grave and conquered death. That's a bad boy right there. (laughs) And then instead of just sticking around and saying, I'm going to do it myself. He passes the the baton to a next generation of leaders. And these disciples 
they keep the movement going. And generation after generation after generation after generation, the baton has been passed. And another generation picks it up and runs their race and fulfills the call and the purposes of God in their generation. And the church continues to advance to this day. And even though we all have our opinions about what the church should do and shouldn't do, our experience is so local to what we hear in the news and what we read in the articles and what we see in certain expressions and the gossip and the conversations and rumors that we've had with people that we fail to realize that this big move of God that has been continuing for 2,000 years is alive and well and is advancing and is not stopping and shows no sign of decline. It shows no sign of stopping. It will continue to go because God's not finished yet. Amen? Hey, doesn't mean we don't have things to work on. Listen, your family's great, but you got stuff to work on because your house is probably a mess right now. And if I said I was coming over, y'all leaving early. A couple of things from these verses I think we got to ask ourselves. Okay? Referring back to what we read. Because that one movement, they were pretending to be great. And I think as a church, what we have to ask ourselves, are we just pretending to be great? Are we pretending to be great people, put on the face and show the pictures? Are we pretending to be a great church? And this is what I mean. Are we trying to sell our greatness because I went to church today, other people didn't, I must be in a better position in life than they are. Because that's not greatness. That's comparison. And comparison doesn't work. Are we, con- or are we trying to say that we're great because we do a mission down in the Dominican Republic? And I do think that's great, by the way. I'm not taking away from any of that. But that's not what makes our church great. Those aren't the foundations of this movement of our church. See, all the achievements are not the foundations. That's just the fruit of the hard work, of the labor, of the seeds that have been planted and those that have continued to work the ground, those that have continued to water the seeds, those that have continued to fertilize the seeds, the people who have stood in the gap praying, the people who have stood in the gap serving, the people that just said, I believe in what God wants to do so much, I will give my life to it. Greatness oftentimes is the highlight reel. This is how it's presented in our culture today. And it's everywhere. It's on TV. In fact, athletics is totally swinging towards the highlight while the fundamentals slowly slip away. And it's happening in the home. It's all about the highlight and the image on social media. It's all about how we present ourselves rather than how we purpose ourselves for how we're really meant to live. And so the fundamentals of how we're supposed to do family are going out the window while we're posting pictures of something that's not even real. It's like taking family pictures together. Everybody hates doing it. And so we pose to take the picture so that years down the road we can say, look at us. But no one knows what happened the day of the pictures. The kid was melting down. The husband didn't want to be there. The mom didn't think that her shirt really matched everybody else's. And her nail got chipped that day, loading everything. Come on, am I preaching to somebody here? And it was craziness, but we're going to post the picture as soon as we get it. Shout out the photographer and say, look at us. All the while, we know we're crazy. 
And everybody else knows it too. Look at your neighbor and say, you know you're crazy. Look at your other neighbor and say, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Jesus loves you. Are we pretending to be someone great? In other words, are we settling with just being associated with what God is doing? Or are we in on what God is doing? Like, it's great. Listen, there's no doubt. When great things are happening, look, those baptism pictures that we post, you jumping in there, you smiling, hugging, that's my church. That's great. I'm glad this is your church. But when we're picking up the baptism tank afterwards, where you at? Anyway, 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 let's get back to the message here today. Number two, number two. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. First question was, are we pretending to be great? The second question is, if something were to happen to us, would it all come to nothing? There was persecution that started knocking on our doors. Would we just fold it up, shut down the shop, and hold on for dear life? Watch this. Would our community miss us if we weren't here? That's a real question. Would people feel like, man, we needed that church? Individually, I needed that church. I needed those people. I needed that move of God in my life. Would it matter if this church wasn't in this city, in this community? Would it matter? See, I believe that This isn't just another congregation. This isn't just another church plant, another idea. I can remember when we were starting this church, church signs all over the place. In fact, you you may not know this. I remember we had signs all over. We went and picked them up. True story. We picked them up because there were so many other churches blasting. Come to my church. Come to my church. We went and picked our signs up because we knew this is not going to be good for our community. They're going to feel like every church is shoving their, like everything they're doing down their throats. So let's just pick them up. Even though we knew we needed to advertise, we were looking at the bigger picture, realizing that if we do this, it's going to put such a negative picture on the church. Not just Emerge Church, on the church. Let's pick them up. And that was a tough call because it was like survival. Are we going to make anybody going to show up? I hope so. Bold movement, bold moves like that, though, that just really bring perspective into what God has called us to do and who he has called us to reach. I know that God's moved in many of your lives, but I want you to know this. This is just the beginning. Like, I need you to hear this today. What God has done in your life is just the beginning. And can I say this? We are not casual about church here. We are super intentional about what we're doing. And I've said this before. We want community, but this is bigger than a community. This is an army of God that is advancing. Amen? We're we're not just looking to have a little get-together. We love get-togethers. We're going to laugh. We're going to party. We're going to have a lot of fun. But there's purpose in it. Because our purpose is this, is that we want to take ground. We want to reach more people for Jesus because there's too many people hurting. Amen? 
And we've got to reach them. And so watch this. I need you to know that even though you've experienced God's presence and God has moved on your life, you have to know that God doesn't just want to touch you. God wants to move you. Some of y'all are like, yes, that's the word I need it. We can go buy a new house now. We're moving, honey. He wants to move you forward in the plans that he has for you. And I believe that the time has come where we move with him. Jesus and we, this is the movement. Listen to what I'm saying today. Jesus and we is the movement. And we are called to carry God's presence. Amen? We're not just representatives. We are carriers of the presence of God. We are a movement. We are not just a meeting on a Sunday morning. We are not just an e-group on a Saturday. We're not just a meeting, just a teaching class. We are a move of God. Amen? And we carry something in our lives that even tangibly we speak about, but intangibly it has an effect on people's lives and we didn't even realize it. Some of you, it wasn't what we said today that's affecting your life. It was the intangible presence of God that you're experiencing in this place that cannot be explained. All you know is you know that Jesus was in this place today. And that's enough to set you up for a while. See, the church is a movement that was started just by Jesus with a few disciples. Been going on for 2,000 years. And he says this movement is not going to stop. He's still building the movement. And this church is a movement. It's a group of people who are called to carry the torch of God's presence. In this generation. In this city. In your community. In your neighborhood. In your family. In your school. At your workplace. You are called by God to be a torch bearer. To carry his presence everywhere that you go. So three moves I believe that we need to make. These may be intense. At least I'm warning you. First one. Three moves we need to make. We have to move from the crowd to the connected. We have to go from just being part of a crowd that attends church to become connected in the church. In other words, I can't just look from the outside in. There's been great things, acts, People, teams that have drawn crowds. And at one time, there were so many people in the stands, in the seats. But then they reach a point where there's not as many people in the seats. I don't think Ricky Martin concerts are doing well today. One time when they were living in La Vida Loca, they were packed out. Not anymore. Britney Spears. Not as many. On the other side of the planet. Okay. They had a crowd. That must be a fan. They had a crowd. <laughs> we know it's on your playlist. <laughs> Oops, I did it again. All right, anyway, that's wrong. <laughs> Gosh, what am I doing? I'm glad Cynthia's smiling at me and not looking at me like, I'm going to get you after a while. Okay. Okay. Anyway, let's get back to the message. Um, see, crowds, crowds spectate. But when you are connected, you participate. So to put it in, in, in Cajun terms or even Southern terms, this isn't a Jesus and them movement. This ain't a Jesus and them movement. This is a Jesus and we movement. That means I'm included. I'm part of it. I don't just get to watch and applaud from the sidelines. You want in the game. You want to be in on what God's doing. Here's the second thing. 
only do I have to move from being just part of the crowd to connect it. I have to move from being a consumer to a contributor. That's strong. I have to move from consuming to contributing. It's not just what this church can do for me, but what can I do for my church? What can I do with my church for him, for them? See, that's the place. Can I tell you that is the sweet spot of being a believer? Not just in what God, can you do this for me? But God, let's work together and do something for them. That's the sweet spot. And a lot of people, they miss the sweet spot because they feel like the sweet spot, the nirvana moment, the peace they're looking for is when God fixes everything. And I've learned this, that God sometimes, when you ain't even fixed, will put you in a situation to work on some, some things you didn't even know you could work on. And while you're working on that, he's working on you. Come on. Sometimes we're trying to do the work that God, only God can do on us. We're trying to work on ourselves, and God's like, let me do the work. While I work on you, can you work on this? Come on, I hope this is challenging you, because for the next season, for what God wants to do in our lives, we can't just shop church. All right, let's keep going. That's, that's heavy. Woo. Not even a little, a little help right there on the end. Uh, you know what I'm saying? A little bit. It's all right, Pastor Wade. No, it's just all right. Leave it there. You have something that people need is what I'm telling you. That's what, that's what I'm saying. The story of what God has done in your life. And listen, if you're waiting for a stage to share it, you're waiting too long. Because until you're faithful with the low platforms, you never step on the high platform. In fact, if you want a platform to stand on, build one. And I'll just say this, and this is just old school, just right, real deal preaching. Before you step on the, sa the stage, set out a chair. Set up a table. Amen? amen. See, that's a good amen point right there. I don't know if y'all knew that. <laughs> but there's a lot of people with ministry aspirations, and their aspiration is the platform. And before you jump on the platform, you've got to be willing to set the chairs out, man. I mean, if you don't set chairs out, where are they going to sit for you to talk to them? Come on, somebody. I know. You have something that people need. And it, can I say this? It's not just your gifts. Your gifts are incredible. But just some good old-fashioned abilities and willingness. Let me just take it a step for, further. Your availability. So underrated. I mean, seriously, we don't even think about that. Your availability is so incredible to the kingdom of God. Yeah. Seriously. Your availability, your gifts, your abilities, your talents, they're incredible. But your availability, your servanthood, your sacrifice, your giving, that's what makes the difference in the kingdom of God. Amen? That's what makes the difference. Read about it. There's these great guys in the New Testament. that I mean, listen, there's this guy, Philip. I mean, the guy was like all prophetic and evangelistic and everything. You know what his platform was? Putting mashed potatoes on a plate for widows. That's what it was, man. And because he was willing to put some mashed potatoes and some macaroni and cheese, and who knows if he wore a hair in that. I'm assuming he had something on that beard because it was long, and God, please let him wear one. 
But because he was willing to serve in those capacities, it set him up. He was building a platform, and he didn't know it. And now he gets to stand in front of a city. And when he preaches the whole entire city, it's saved. Go read it when Philip went down to Samaria. And not only did he reach the entire city, but there was a sorcerer there that was trying to just mess with everybody's mind. And even the sorcerer was saved. You a bad man when you go to a city and reach the devil people. Bad man. All right, anyway. Got to move from being a consumer to a contributor. I just got to stay focused here. Here's the third thing. We got to move from complacent to commissioned. Complacent to commissioned. Have you ever heard someone say the church needs to and then fill in the blank? Church ought to. This is what the church ought to be doing. And uh, I've, I have a lot of people that recommend things. And when can I just say this? When you recommend things of what people need to be doing, make sure you're doing something. We must remember that it's not our opinions that have kingdom impact. It's our commitment to Jesus, and it's the commitment to his commission that has kingdom impact, y'all. That's what I'm talking about. It's God, I am so committed to what you want to do. I'm so committed to your cause. And listen, we've gotten so caught up in our feelings in the church that we lost our convictions. And we've got to have a solid conviction that holds us with integrity to what God has called us to do. We can't afford to be loosey-goosey because we want to reach a few. The gospel is powerful enough to work without loosey-goosey. That's tweetable right there. That's good. Okay. It's our willingness to serve. So watch this. Jesus gave us, he gave the church a commission to make disciples. He's given us, not just one person or the people who are gifted with that. He's given us a commission to make disciples. And a disciple is a person that follows Jesus, that learns from his ways. And chooses to follow his ways. And he is calling you and I. He is commissioning us to make disciples. And I know we're saying, i got to get my stuff together before I can help someone else get their stuff together. You've had a lot of time to get your stuff together. And you still got work to do. But in the meantime, there are some battles that you have already won. Come on, somebody. There's some faith that you've already exercised that they haven't even exercised yet. They haven't even stepped into that battle. But you've already been there. You've already defeated that giant. And you can say, look, I don't know everything. You stick around me, you're going to see a lot of my flaws. But I know how to take that giant down. I know how to win that battle. And if you just keep coming along, we're going to conquer these things in your life. And we're going to see what God can do with us when we just keep stepping and keep believing. See, that's commission lifestyle. Complacent is, I don't know what to do. And God's putting people all over you. And they say, hey, come with me to the gathering. Oh, I don't like that. I'm nervous about doing those kinds of things because I don't know anybody. Hey, come with me to e-group. I don't know. I'm just, I'm all to myself. Come on, lift your hands during worship. God will set you free. I don't do that. I'm just like, I'm traditional. Like all these different things. And God's like, what else do you need me to do? God's like, I've sent you prophets and teachers, and you just shut them all down. You just shut them, and you're like, God, help me. And God's like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. You're part of a movement called the church. You're part of the most powerful thing on the face 
of this planet. Amen? Amen. I know there are cultural influences out there, but the church is still going. And it's still strong. And people are still giving their lives to Jesus. And songs are still being sung. Sermons are still being preached. People are still being saved. People are still being healed. It is still happening, even in the face of all the craziness and chaos that may be happening in our culture because you can't stop it. It must go for it. The church, it will continue to go for it. Let's wrap up. Ephesians 1, 23. Message Bible. It says, the church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. I love that. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. This is what this means. The church isn't in the background. The church isn't in the shadows. You say, well, I watch the news all the time, and they don't say anything about the church. (laughs) Keep watching the news and get your information because it's wrong. You have to see what God's doing and not just what they're reporting. Say amen. I know some of y'all don't like that, but you've got you to understand the church is the forefront of what God is doing in the world today. We are the light of the world. We're not the shadow. We're the light of the world. Matthew 5, amen? We're the light of the world. We are the forefront of what God is doing, and he uses you. He uses me. He uses your kids. He uses your husband, your wife, your nephew, anyone that calls on the name of Jesus to be saved. He fills them with his presence, and everywhere they go, they bring him with them. And they, listen, we go in some of the craziest places. You thought, if you seen my work, you would think the devil was running that shop. Well, you're there, and the presence of God is in you. And listen, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. I know it's dark, but you're there. Turn on the light. Amen? That's why I say we're carriers of the torch of God's presence. And even though it's dark, guess what? Jesus is here because he fills my life. And now that he's here, some people are going to start seeing thought you would be a little more excited about that part right there. He uses us to bring his presence and his power everywhere. Be a part of the Jesus and we movement. Be a part of the church. Let's reach some people for Jesus. Let's make sure that heaven is populated with people that live down our street. Let's make sure that heaven is populated with people who work with us. Let's make sure that people, that that heaven is populated with our little friends group, our kids play with. Let's make sure that heaven is full of people that you and I come in contact with on a daily basis. Here's the challenge. A lot of energy right now in the church. A lot of excitement right now. About to go to two services. And if we're not careful, we'll just see two services as an opportunity to sleep in. Ooh, do 11 o'clock service. It's tired. It's not just that. This is an opportunity for us to multiply our church. Watch this. This is an opportunity for you to step into some things that God is calling you to. This is an opportunity for you to take on the Great Commission. This is an opportunity for you to serve. This is an opportunity for you to lead. Are you grabbing this today? I want to challenge everyone here to be a bringer. Bring someone to church. If you hear anything I say today, hear this. Church is better when you bring someone with you. Church is so much better when you bring someone with you. I love it because this is what people do when they know their friend is coming. They come talk to me. And this is the kind of talk I get. Now listen, my friend's coming today. 
don't mess this up. Don't get up there and say some of the things you usually say. And some of you are like, you already did, bro. You said all kind of stuff today. If you're a first-time guest with it, welcome. <laughs> Be a bringer. Church is better when you bring someone with you. You say, but man, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, but afterwards, when they tell you, man, that was great. I wasn't expecting that. Everybody wanted me to be there. That's the number one thing people say when they come to our church. Everyone wanted me to be there. I felt like everybody wanted me there. I love that. That's you that's doing that, man. That's you. That's what we want people to feel like, that they're wanted, that they belong here. Church is better when you bring someone. So let's be a bringer. Let's bring that neighbor. Let's bring that coworker. Let's bring that friend. Let's bring that family member. And how do we do it? Like I said, hey, come sit with me at church on Sunday. Come on, just come with me. Come sit with me. Afterwards, we'll get lunch. I'll explain everything to you. We'll clean up all that stuff Pastor Wade said. It's not just spectate two services. Let's fill them up. Put us in a position, church. Put us in a position to make a decision. Put us in position to make a decision that's going to be uncomfortable. Because so many people we're bringing want to make this their church home. we got a lot of work to do, y'all. We can do it. The right people are here. You're here. God can use you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning as we share this message, it's challenging. But it's life-changing. I understand the ramifications of everything that I've said today and I wouldn't say something to you that I wouldn't be willing to live myself I wouldn't just say this as a hype man but I say this as a man called by God with fearful responsibility to lead a church by serving people and in this room today God is calling you to commitment if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, perhaps you've committed your life to your desires and your ways, your ideas, your opinions. But today the Lord is saying, would you lay down all of those things and commit your life to me? Because the life I have for you is way better than the life that you're putting together yourself. Because the decisions of your life have resulted in some victories, but also some defeats. It's put you in the place to please yourself. It's put you in this place to displease God and ultimately put you in the position of sin, which has separated you from God. But the good news is Jesus has come to bridge the gap. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Wade, I'm away from God. I have made decisions and I've been living in such a way that I need to surrender my heart and my life completely to Jesus, not just coming to church to feel better about my sins, but to surrender my life completely to Jesus to be forgiven of my sins. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand and say, Pastor, I'm serious about this. I have to surrender my life completely to Jesus. Will you lift your hands this morning if that's you? Anyone else, their hands going up. You say, I got to surrender. I can't just come and check it out and ask them to preach something that makes me feel better, play a song that makes me feel better. I have to surrender. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, that's me. Yeah. And every Sunday, we get the privilege of praying this prayer with families, with people. And it's one of the most powerful things we do. And today, we're so glad that you said, hey, that's me. 
include me. And we want to pray this prayer with you. And I'm going to ask all the church to repeat it with me. This morning we say it out loud and we say it in faith. I'll ask you to do the same. Say, dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me to be in this moment right here. To hear about your goodness and all that you want to do in my life. I recognize what I have done. I am aware of the decisions. I'm aware of the things that I have done wrong. And I need your forgiveness. So right now, I surrender my life completely to you. And I choose to follow you. I choose your ways over mine. I choose to live my life your way.